Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we do rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We rejoice that the tomb is empty. And that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we too, who are in Christ, reap the benefits of that resurrection. We reap the benefits of his victory over death and sin. And we stand complete in Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would continue to be encouraged this morning, even as we look at this passage, as we stoop down and look into the empty tomb, that we would then be encouraged to go and to tell. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll never forget the very first time when I found out that I was going to be a dad. Krista had found out that she was pregnant. And poor Krista held the news in all day long. She was waiting for a private moment to pull me aside and to tell me, but a private moment never came. You see, one of my friends from South Carolina was in Indianapolis visiting in fact, he was there to spend the summer with us, helping out at our ministry, and he had just arrived that day. And so we took him all over Indianapolis. We showed him all of our favorite spots. And as the day dragged on, we just kept going to more and more. And, and I, I don't remember, but I'm sure Krista kept trying to be like, hey, let's, let's go back. <laughs> and, uh, but no, I had no idea, so I just kept going forward. And no, let's go here, let's go here, let's do this. In fact, at the end of the day, when we got all done, I felt bad for my friend who was new to the city and didn't know what to do, and so I invited him to join us for dinner as well. And on top of that, once we got done with dinner, then Krista's brother and sister, Adam and Julia, were coming to visit as well. And so they popped in. And so finally, with a living room full of people, she just decided to give up waiting for a private moment and share the news with all of us. And so I'm sitting there, and she hands me a card, and I open it up, and I have no idea what's going on, and I read it, and it's one of those cards that's something a lot about, you know, dad or something, and, and I'm just, I am shocked. And, and everyone's like, what's going on? And, and so we're, we're sharing that moment, and, and it's an exciting moment. And I remember in, in the shock and the excitement of the moment, I look up and I said, how long have you known? And my friend, who was still hanging around, sitting in the corner, goes, I just found out. <laughs> I don't know why in that special moment between my wife and I that he sh thought I was talking to him. <laughs> I was not talking to him. It makes for a funny story looking back, but I don't know how Krista held in that news all day. You see, good news, no matter how big or small it is, it's hard to keep to yourself, is it not? It is meant to be shared. In fact, for me, even if I wanted to keep good news to myself, I can't. I have an uncontrollable silly grin and just a, a pet to my step. It is obvious when I have good news. Brothers and sisters, as we turn our attention to Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10 this morning, we too 
have good news. Our good news is the fact that Jesus is alive. Our good news is the gospel itself. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died for my sins and rose again victorious by the grace of God through faith alone, I can have eternal life. This is not news that is meant to be kept to yourself. This is news that is meant to be shared. In fact, this morning as we look at this passage, we will be reminded that from the very beginning, the news of the resurrection is news that was meant to be shared. So this morning we will come quickly to the garden tomb. We'll rejoice in the resurrection. And we'll be challenged to run and go tell. Warren Wearsby says this about the resurrection. He says the entire structure of the Christian faith rests on the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we do away with the resurrection, we have no hope. In fact, Warren Wearsby is not alone when he says that. The Apostle Paul himself says something similar. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Verses 15 to 17. The Apostle Paul says this. Or 17 to 19. He says this. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most to be pitied. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection is everything. Our entire faith is built on the foundation of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as we turn our attention to Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10, we are turning our attention to that day. As Jesus rose from the dead, in fact, it starts in, in, Romans 20, er, in Matthew 28, verses 1 to 7, with an invitation to come and see. Our passage picks up after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Note that this is early in the morning, as the week began to dawn. They didn't sit around and waste the morning away. They got up and they ran to the tomb. In fact, these two ladies were at the cross, as we see in Matthew 27, 56. Not only were they at the cross, but they followed the body of Jesus to the tomb. And they were the last at the tomb, even after Joseph has left, as we see in Matthew 27, verse 61. And now as we come to Matthew 28, these two women, they are the first two back at the tomb. But this time something different. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. The angel sat on the stone that he rolled away. 
He sits because the work is done. He sits victorious because there is no threat here. Neither the soldiers who are guarding the tomb, as we'll see in just a second, are frozen with fear. Not even death itself has any power here and offers any challenge. The angel sits almost mocking any challenger. It's like he's like a child who, who in a race wins and then kind of sits at the finish line waiting for you to kind of egg you on, to tease you. Ha, huh, I'm so fast that I, I've been here so long. I've been sitting and waiting for you. You're not a challenge. The angel sits in victory because there is no challenge at this grave. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing is white as snow. Even sitting, he is glorious. And he strikes fear into the guards as we see here. They shook with fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women. Note the contrast there between these soldiers fully geared for war and these women just carrying spices. In fact, note the complete reversal of this entire passage from the previous chapter. The one who was dead is now risen. The tomb that was sealed is now open. The powerful soldiers are weak, while the weak and the mourning women are now standing and rejoicing. Everything has changed. While the soldiers shake with fear, paralyzed. This angel speaks to the women, do not fear. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. The angel knew exactly who these women were, and he knew exactly who they were looking for. In fact, note also that even though these women were looking for Jesus in the wrong place and for the wrong reason, they're not chastised. They are graciously and gently accepted and corrected, pointed in the right direction as the angel answered, He is not here, for He is risen. Have sweeter words ever been spoken? He is not here. The grave could not hold Him because the grave has no power over Him. The grave could not hold him because he does not belong in the grave. I do. But Jesus was righteous. The wages of sin is death. There was no sin found in him. The grave has no claim over him, so the grave cannot hold him. And in Christ, praise the Lord, that the grave cannot hold me. In fact, Paul picks up the same language in Romans 6, as we'll see this evening. That the grave that has no claim on Jesus, because I am in Christ, the grave has no claim on me. In fact, note also here, he is not here, for he is risen. 
Note, all, note that as the, as the stone is rolled away, Jesus does not come walking out. He was already gone. The stone was not moved to let Jesus out. The stone was moved to let witnesses in. Come and see, the angel says. He has risen as he said. He is faithful and he is true and he keeps his word. It begs the question, if he had said this, which he had, you can go through the New Testament, you can go through the Gospels and see time after time after time. How did the disciples miss this? But regardless of whether they heard it or believed it, he has done it, for he is faithful. As he said, he has risen from the dead. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. Come and look. Stoop down and see. Jesus is not here. But don't just come and look and linger, but then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. And there you'll see him. Behold, I have told you. I have fulfilled my duty. Jesus is not here, for he has risen. So brothers and sisters, we come this morning to the empty tomb with these women. And we hear the testimony of the angels and the testimony of these uh, women that Jesus is not there. Come and see. And then verses 8 to 10, go and tell. So they went. The angel sends them on their way after they stoop in and they look and they see that Jesus is not there. They go quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. They go with fear and great joy. This is not fear over what might happen. The idea here is more the idea of awe over what has happened. It is the legitimate fear, the legitimate response aroused by having come in contact with an angel. By having glimpsed a hint of God's power and glory in the empty tomb. Of course they go in awe. Of course there's a little fear there. There's also joy. In fact, note that while there is fear that was present with them, there was even greater joy. There is fear and great joy, not great fear and some joy. Fear and great joy. What fear to glimpse God's glory and power, and yet what even greater joy to know that that glory and power is at work for me. In fact, as Spurgeon says, a holy fear mingled with great joy is one of the sweetest compounds that we can bring to God's altar. An awe of God and a joy of who he is and what he has done for me and the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
So is it any wonder that with this fear and this great joy that they run? They ran to bring his disciples' word. And would you expect any less? In fact, I imagine that, that the hardest part was getting going. Right? The hardest part's leaving that tomb where you can see Jesus and the, the tomb is empty. But once they get going, I imagine that there is nothing in the world that can stop them. They have the best news ever. Nothing can slow them down except one thing, as we see in verse 9. As they ran, as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them. What tender mercy for Jesus to meet them here. How their hearts must have longed and been full of questions, and he doesn't make them wait. He doesn't come in great power. He comes and meet them, meets them gently and lovingly. They had no idea where Jesus was, but he knew exactly where they were. And he meets them, calling out, saying, rejoice. That word rejoice is a greeting. In fact, it's been used two previous times here in the book of Matthew. The two previous uses of this greeting were were as Judas betrayed Jesus. The same word is used. In fact, the same word is used as the soldiers mock Jesus as he's on the cross, pretending that he is a king. If you remember, they, they robe him and put purple on him, a crown of thorns, and they mock him, calling out to him with the same greeting. Though this greeting was used by Judas as he betrayed him and the soldiers as they mock him, now Jesus in victory uses it tenderly with these ladies. Rejoice. They came and they held him by the feet. They bow down and grab his feet and hug. This passage actually serves an important role. The fact that that Matthew includes this, that they held him by the feet, which shows us that this is not a hallucination, this is not an apparition. This is the resurrected Savior in the flesh. And they worship him. And how sweet that worship must have been. Can you imagine the joy and the fear and the love and the awe that is overwhelming them as they fall at the feet of Jesus? As they kiss those feet that still have a hole in them from the nail that was put through for their sins. Perhaps for the first time at the feet of Jesus Christ, they worship fully grasping who he is and what he has done. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. It's the second time we've seen that phrase in this passage, do not be afraid. 
not just here in this moment, but generally do not be afraid because Jesus is alive. There is nothing to fear. Even at the grave itself, I mentioned, the soldiers had no power there. Death has no power there. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, death has no power over you. So do not be afraid. Because Jesus is risen from the grave, there is nothing to fear. There truly is no power of hell and no scheme of man that can take away your hope. There truly is no reason to fear and every reason to rejoice. Do not be afraid, but go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Go and tell my brethren. Note the amazing grace of God. These men that he calls brethren, they are the same disciples who deserted him in the garden. Only two of these brethren followed him into the city. And one of them, once he got there, denied him three times. Yet now resurrected, he calls them brothers. Against all reasonable expectation, they are forgiven all. And this relationship is treated as if it is uninterrupted. Go and tell. Brothers and sisters, just like all of Jesus' early disciples, including these two women who come humbly to the tomb early on that first Easter morning, we know that the wages of sin is death. And we know that if Jesus Christ is dead, then our hope is dead. But we, like these women, rejoice to find the tomb empty with the good news that Jesus is alive. So let us not go from the tomb back to life as normal. Let us not respond to the resurrection with lethargy or indifference as if nothing has changed. Because in the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, everything has changed. So let us respond with awe and great joy. Let us fall at the feet of Jesus and worship. We have no need to be afraid because the empty tomb of Jesus Christ gives hope and meaning to life. So what does this mean for you and me? What does this mean? Number one, maybe you're here this morning and you came to church because it's Easter and that's what you do. You come on Easter and you come on Christmas. You're always sure that you're there on those days. But can I tell you something? We don't just celebrate Easter 
because it's a good thing. We celebrate because it is everything. I hope that if you're here this morning, that you are trusting in Jesus Christ alone for salvation and his finished work. I pray this morning that your hope is not in your works. That your thinking is not, as long as I get to the end of my life and my good works outweigh my bad works, I'll be good. Or as long as I I go to church or I give or I do this or I do that, it's not about what you have done. It's about what Jesus Christ has done for you. You are a sinner. Justly condemned to hell. For the wages of sin is death and separation from God. But God, even when we were dead in our sins, because of his great love with which he loved us, Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for your sins. This is your grave that you deserve to be in, your death. That Jesus Christ died for you so that you could have his life. His righteousness, not your own. The message of the resurrection is a call to repentance, to fall down at the feet of Jesus. Repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ who died for your sins and rose victorious. If you are here this morning and you have any questions whatsoever, I would love nothing more than to sit down with you on this Easter morning and to tell you about my resurrected Savior. Secondly, brothers and sisters, see and be encouraged. Be moved to a worshipful awe by the great power and the love of God that has raised Jesus from the dead, securing your salvation and your hope. Stand amazed by the grace of God to forgive those so undeserving. The grace of God to forgive you. Maybe that's what you need this morning. Restoration. To come to the tomb and to be reminded of the great love and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to be forgiven, restored. Come and be forgiven and restored this morning. Come and confess your sins. And then finally, go and tell. If nothing else, may a visit to the empty tomb this morning light a passion inside of you to run and tell this great news. Jesus is alive, and so is your hope. So brothers and sisters, do not stand around here and stare, but go and tell. Go with great fear and awe in God and how great he is and how great his love is and go with great joy and purpose. Jesus is alive.